Welcome to the You Collective podcast. You Collective is open platform democratizing the voice of individuals with achievement and impact. Today we are hosting Nico Carlo Robles. And Nico, thank you for joining us here, and、uh, really excited to talk to you. Thank you for having me, Joyce. I'm really excited as well. So let's let's get started and talk about your journey.、Uh, tell us what you do and、uh, what's your journey so far. Sure.、Uh, so I'm Nico Carlo Calero Robles. I work in corporate strategy for Thomson Reuters, which is an information services company. And what corporate strategy is is we help senior management understand what different options they have、um, and priorities with regards to organic or building product sorts of investments or inorganic investments, which is mergers and acquisitions most likely. And we help. Create frameworks for management in order to understand what the priorities are across the portfolio of businesses that we have.、Um, my journey so far has been interesting. I grew up in the Philippines in a small town called Cebu.、Um, it was a great place to to grow up, really quiet and chill.、Um, and then I went on to study business law in in Manila, which is the capital of the Philippines. After that, I went to the University of Edinburgh. For to do my master's in international business, and what really drove me there was that my parents were always in business, but I always thought like it'd be interesting to pave a different road for myself that was not necessarily just in the Philippines. And、um, after the University of Edinburgh, I was hired by Thomson Reuters, my company now, to join the business graduate program, which is a rotational program. And I was based in the Philippines for one year. And then they moved me to New York in 2014 to do an analyst role in one of the businesses. And since then, I've stayed in New York, moved into different roles, and so forth and so on. And、uh, yeah, the most latest one being corporate strategy. Great.、Uh, tell us about you know how to overcome some of the challenges as you、uh, move from Philippines to the U.S. and、uh, you know the education journey that you had in different countries and.、Uh, Ultimately,、uh, landing here in New York. Sure. So I could think of one in particular, actually, and it was when I was trying to apply for universities in the UK. Initially, I was accepted in the university and a program, and they provided me a conditional offer of sorts, and it seemed like everything was going great. And then a month before. All the universities in the UK closed、uh, the applications. This particular university told me that I actually had to do a master's first in my university in the Philippines before I could do a master's in the UK. And so I was very distraught. It was a very tough challenge. I thought my my life was already planned out, and so forth and so on, at least to that extent. But I picked myself up and went to look on for other universities. Was able to apply to the University of Edinburgh and 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 really enjoyed it. I think with regards to your question around like moving to the U.S., I think there's a cultural proximity between the Philippines and the U.S., which made it a little bit easier. But something that I really really liked was anchoring yourself with the right people and surrounding yourself with the right people as you go through both your you know personal journey as well as your career journey. So that has been challenging, but I feel like. Just being really genuine、uh, about who you are and you know your relationships really helped me a lot. And、um, as you、um, you know accumulating、uh, a pretty international experience, you know coming from Philippines, going to、uh, 
uh, Europe and and uh, coming to the U.S. Um, what have you learned about yourself that uh, might have surprised uh, you? Yeah, um, actually, that's really interesting, and I think it it has evolved as well through time. I always had this hypothesis about me that I was good with people. Um, when I was younger, my my father was in politics, and and you know I could see like how he interacted with different people. And I always thought that I was good with people, and it was really interesting to just adapt to different cultures and so forth and so on. I think that as I went through my own journey, going to different countries, having to adapt to different cultures, that became both a challenge, but as well as an opportunity to actually, you know, uh, reinforce whatever hypothesis I had of myself. Um, so I, I don't think I really found it that difficult. What I found more about myself was that, you know, as as we I grew older, as I progress um, through my career or through my own personal journey, I I find that the number of people that you actually have deeper relationships with, though, and your expectations of who, what roles people's, uh, what roles people play in your life, varies a lot. Right. And I think having a clear awareness or understanding of expectations with regards to the relationships that you both, you know, continuously, continuously build and or nourish is really important as well. And I'm, I'm trying to go through that process as well. Now. Yeah. Um, tell us about, uh, you know, leadership. So you have uh, worked with many different people, um, people working different geographies, people in different companies and different cultures. How would you define, uh, ex, you know, excellence in leadership? Right. I think empathy is the first word that mm. really comes to my mind. Um, when you say leadership, I think it's empathy. And I think really about understanding what drives people because people are driven, different people are driven by different things, right? And I think leaders have a really unique skill and or just industry, like hard work, right? If it doesn't come naturally to them, to really try to understand what drives people, what motivates people, and providing them with opportunities to fulfill those motivations. And I think based, I think it cuts across different cultures, right? I think there's a certain level of awareness as well that's required with regards to the cultural nuances. But in my head, the best leaders that I've seen, whether people I've worked with or people just in the media and all these, you know, tech executives, I think it's people who really are able to empathize well with with their constituents, who are able to bring out the best in these people as well, and as a collective, elevate the organization to different heights. And um, as you think about your own work, um, what drives you every day? That's a really tough question. It varies on the day, honestly. Um, but I think like in the long term, what, what really motivates me is I go back to the people thing. I, I really enjoy seeing people learning um, and I, I really enjoy learning about people as well, right? I also enjoy learning about myself. And so I think if there's any one word that really encapsulates what, what brings me out of bed every night, it's learning or uh, sorry, every morning, it's really like learning, right? Like 
having an understanding that today's a new day and there are new challenges and you know there are opportunities that I could stretch myself. By the way, I think learning is twofold, right? One is the technical side, which is around you know your, what you do, the skills that you have, and so forth and so on. But also learning in terms of like relationships and people and yourself. And I think there's always that kind of opportunity to 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 have every day, honestly. Yeah, excellent. Um, so you also volunteer uh, at yes. MoMA. Yes, um, that's right. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I'm a nerd about art and history and all that stuff. And so, yes, I volunteer at the MoMA. Um, I help out in gallery sessions, which, um, you know, there are normally two, I think, every day. I, I do it like every other Saturday. But what we do is, we, you know, there'll be a lecturer and they show some art and, you know, the, uh, we, we, we talk about the art and so forth and so on. I think it was in the UK that I really started to develop this. Like in, in, at university in the Philippines, I was really interested in history and philosophy and all that stuff. But um, I think, you know, as I, and, and it's going back to the learning, right? I learned more about myself. Like the thing is in the Philippines, art is seen as, it's non-existent to the most for the most part, I think, at least when I grew up. And if it did, it was always like, you know, for a certain, you know, stratum of society. Um, I think it really exposed me, my experience internationally about art, and I just gravitated towards it. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, most people who love art, they, they just go to a museum and here you actually, um, as you share with me, carve out your Saturday and yes. actually volunteer at, uh, you know, for our audience here at the Museum of Modern Art uh, in New York City. Um, you know, how does uh, talking, educating people about art, showing them where to go at the museum and, and so forth, complement or augment uh, your, uh, your work? Yeah, so I think it, it happens at two levels. The first level is, I think, is an opportunity for me, or I've seen this actually, it's an opportunity for me to just find another way. I, I genuinely think that corporate strategy or strategy in general is one, a communications job for the most part, right? Um, at, and as well as analytical job, right? From a personal perspective, what artists do actually is try to communicate feelings, try to communicate emotions that may not necessarily be shown immediately, right? And and I think personally, I think a piece of art actually communicates that, right? Whether it's around the contrast of the colors and so forth and so on. If you go to more contemporary art like you know Rothko or Jackson Pollock, um, there's a certain level of analytical. Um, piece that you have to go through it as well, as well as historical, right? Like, what was their story? How did that influence how they see the world? And how do they communicate it? So from a personal perspective, I found that really interesting. And just like staring at a painting, trying to understand, one, the emotions that it makes you feel, but two, overlaying the experience of the artist, it's really cool. I think with regards to like other people, Personally, I think it's it's also a. I, I wouldn't say like I don't have a degree in art history or anything like that, right? But but being able to volunteer helps me share these sorts of knowledge and experiences, and also gather what people you know feel and and, and experience. And I think from from those two perspectives, uh, I really find fulfillment in, in in what I do at the MoMA. Yeah, thanks for uh, for sharing and and uh, thanks for volunteering there. Um, 
you know, for some people, it's a very straightforward path.、Uh, you know, studying Asia or、uh, another country,、um, mm-hmm. and wanting to come to Europe or the U.S. to to further、uh, study and uh, uh, gain experience here.、Um, but for many other people, it's not a, a direct path. Um, and your your experience shown that you, you had to go through a number of different steps、uh, to get to where you are today.、Um, and and what advice would you give to students or、uh, you know professionals or people who want to、uh, you know perhaps leave their、uh, birth country and say, look, I want to explore the world. And、um, how how do they get started? And what conviction do they need to have? And what what advice would you give them? Sure.、Um, so, from my perspective, I think stubbornness really helped.、Um, I actually had the idea of going to the UK. So, most Filipinos, at least from from my own circle, go to the states to do their masters. I always thought the UK was interesting because I didn't know anyone who went to the UK. So, I thought that was a unique path that I had to, I could carve out of myself. So, after my exchange or my my foreign exchange experience in Singapore. Um, I created this like small folder on my computer, said which said Project London 2011, which was when I was supposed to graduate. And for two years, I just like put like different data, different information, perspectives, so forth and so on, to just make me accountable for it.、Um, so one is just if there's anything pragmatic that you really want to do, like. Create a forcing mechanism that actually you could see every day, and that would encourage you to like, you know, fill it out and so forth and so on. The second piece is build accountability amongst your peers. So I always told people, oh, I'm not going to go to law school. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to go to law school. I'm going to study abroad,、uh, my masters, and create my own path. And so there were times and months on end when I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything on my folder, but then people would start asking me, hey. Uh, how's the plan? Like, where are you going? Do you know university? And so forth and so on. And that created a really important sense of accountability for me. That reminded me, like, oh my gosh, wake up! I have a couple months left. And so forth and so on. So I think those two things are really important to just get you started. Make sure you have something on your computer that you can work with, and then create a. An environment of accountability for you to continuously do it,、um, and then eventually, right? Like. When you start having options, make sure that you're deliberate about them. I always tell people when they think of career and and so forth and so on, you know, one the first step once you've already done your due diligence,、um, evaluate your options. I mean, generate your options first, right? Have three to five options, whether it's a new career or whether it's a school and so forth and so on. Generate options. Give yourself like six months or so forth and so on to to come up with options. But then eventually, when that time comes, evaluate them. And it's almost like a matrix. So indulge me here because I'm a you know strategy <laughs> PowerPoint guy. But、um, you know, there's an axis of probability. Like how probable are these options? And there's an axis around how much I like it. Like what kind of returns do I do I get of it, right? Because there are things that you might like very much but are low probability, and things that are high probability but don't you don't like so much. So being able to visualize these options will eventually help you、uh, charter your your next path.、Um, I I think those are the three things that I would advise、uh, people. Nico, thank you so much for sharing your perspective and your story with all of us and. Really proud of、uh, where you are today, and we look forward to seeing more of your success and in- impact.
Thank you. Thank you very much, Joyce.